what you can do then um, in the course of peak week is when you want to drop water overnight is jack up the foot of the bed and sleep that way. What's up, guys? It is time to get sciency with Scott Stevenson in this episode of Muscle Minds. Scott shares with us a technique on getting absolutely dry for your contest without using diuretics. Plus, we have some listener questions. Guys, if you enjoy the content, then do me a favor, hit the like button, leave us a comment. And if you haven't subscribed, then I encourage you to because we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Muscle Minds with Scott Stevenson. I'm Scott McNally. Of course, all of our programming is always brought to you by truenutrition.com. Awesome supplements. I can't speak highly enough about them. Uh, reach out to me if you want to talk about flavors of their protein powders. You can use our code THINK, and that helps to support our programming. Uh, for our Canadian people, we're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca. I checked it out. If you buy two packs of ephedrine there, Scott, you can get them for $2.95 a pack. So just throwing it out there. If you're in Canada. Can it get to the U.S.? No, it's a, it's a Canadian. Okay, so. yeah, it's a Canadian yeah, thing. Okay. So just take advantage of the fact that you guys have ephedrine and you should take at least three doses a day. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff going on here. Scott's got some stuff about. Uh, <laughs> That's not medical advice. It's just. just general like the take your vitamins take your ephedrine That's exactly how, how exactly uh scott's got a bunch of stuff for us we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh a lot of stuff related to peak week um and i had a question we we're gonna launch off with i know we got another question in the live feed anybody who right. wants to toss questions up you guys are welcome to so this came to us from uh, one of our patreon people he actually lives about an hour from me scott he listens to all of our shows. Adam is his name. Shout out to Adam. Uh, he signed up for the Patreon and he's come over to the house for some extensive personal training lessons. So he's uh, he he had a gastric sleeve done. Okay? That would be TPT in this case. Total personal training. TPT. He, not TRT, but TPT. <laughs> yes. And uh, okay. It, it, so he's he's training, he's lifting, uh, and he is losing fat. I want to say he was he was three bills, and he's coming down a pretty decent bit. Uh, he's been dieting for a while now with this. But here was his question: He's not a guy who's ever contest prepped. Uh, One thing before yeah. you before you read that, I went I went to Facebook. Did you restart a new video? Because it shows the live video has ended on Facebook. That is your computer. If you refresh it, it would come back. We're live. Okay. I, I promise just, you. All right. No, I, I figured. We're good. We're good. I don't okay. make mistakes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I will quote you on that. I will quote you on that. <laughs> okay. So, Adam, you have an abscess from your TRT. You <laughs> say it was intentional. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good question for Muscle Minds. Uh, is there a maximum caloric? deficit based on body fat levels. I've heard that a pound of body fat can only release so many calories per day. If so, what happens if someone goes below that and do any compounds or exercises increase the rate of energy 
transferred per pound thanks. What does he mean by this, first of all, Scott? <laughs> That's going to be the first step in um, in tackling this question or sort of series Oops. of questions. Um, is the, yeah, there's there's some, there's the typical terminology you see in this in the context of fat loss and caloric deficit that kind of stuff. But he, I think he's he's got a couple ideas sort of um, kind of meshed together in his mind that we can tease apart. So uh, first and foremost, a caloric a caloric deficit. The way we use that, what that actually means, like you're literally you're not defying the laws of thermodynamics anyway. You're just consuming less calories than what you're expending. And the penultimate goal would be that all of those calories that, need, that your body needs to do what it does, lift, walk, simply basal metabolic rate, come from body fat. In fact, the holy grail can actually happen when someone's starting off or if, they've, if they're using a McNally-style TRT, perhaps, they could even gain muscle and lose fat simultaneously. That can happen. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that if you if you expend three thousand calories and you take in two thousand calories, then there's a thousand calories that have come from your body's body fat reserves, as, and that's the energy. So that's why you get leaner. That's the kind of the whole idea. So the herd that a pound of body fat can only release so many calories. So it's if you look at a pound, which is four hundred and fifty four grams. Um, and that that's what a power that's what then if you look at nine let me do the math here we'll do get the exact numbers just in case someone wants to follow along all right and 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 a, and a, a pound of fat is uh i've got my my computer set in um german, german right? so <laughs> yeah so um the calculator is not a c it's an r for right now yeah it is yeah, they changed everything's all flipped around. So four, five, four, we multiply that times nine, which is just an average. That gives us four thousand eighty-six. Which you would think, oh well that well, we always hear there's thirty five hundred calories in a pound of fat. That's because your average pound of fat is is maybe eighty to ninety percent water. There's actually some variability. Fat does fat cells do have some water in it. Fat as a tissue does have some water in it. So that's where that 3,500 calories in a pound of fat comes from. Okay. So if you just bought like gristle and fat um, at the butcher or just took, you know, all the steak, you know, that you, that you uh, ate for a month or several months and just took all the fat, loaded it up, about a pound of fat would give you about 3,500 calories. So that's, that's the caloric value of that pound. Okay. So, um, so that's... Uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind. And maybe that would change the way he asked that second question. I've heard that a pound of fat can only release so many calories per day. So that's the idea. A pound of body fat has about that many calories, but it does vary actually. It's interesting. And that's, that's one thing that may even vary over the course of a diet when someone is holding a lot more water, um, when they're, you know, if they're coming off their off season or if they're start off with a lot of more body fat and they diet down and they don't have as much body water. Typically you don't think of body fat having a lot of water in it, but the hydration of the fat cells does vary. Yeah. I've seen values between like 70 and 90%. 70 would be very, um, very high, uh, meaning 30% water and okay. 70, 90% triglycerides or triacylglycerols in there. So I could but see that's, that. that 
Yeah, so it varies some. I can see that but just simply only- like the the logic of like looking at my own body or a client's body that what, what do they look like when they're depleted versus full? And of course the muscle size can change, but you know you get that you're getting sub Q water, but I'm telling you man, like yeah. the fat looks fluffier. Do you know what I mean? Without it, well, the thing is, is that um, adipose is actually con- a form of connective tissue. So what? adipose tissue, what? Is connective tissue. <laughs> yeah. What? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it serves other purposes. Um, yeah. So your your tissue types are are nervous, um, uh, nervous tissue, muscle tissue, epithelial tissue, and what? Which one am I missing? Um, you didn't say adipose yet. And connective tissue. Connective tissue. Nervous, muscle, epithelium, connective tissue. Connective tissue. So those are the four tissue types. Yeah. If you look this up in your A&P book, this is what you'll see. Um, so connective tissue is a tissue type that you'll find in an organ. So um, like the skin is an organ called the integument. And it contains all of those tissue types. You've got nerves in your skin. You've yeah. got smooth muscle in the vessels. Yeah. You've got epithelial tissue that makes up the endothelium, which is inside the vessels that are there. And you've got connective tissue. So connective tissue is part of tendons. It's part of ligaments. And adipose actually is a form of connective tissue. I'll be damned. Um, and, you, and those fat cells in there, obviously, the, the, there's a storage function. There's a um, thermodynamic function. So it keeps you warm when it's cold. Yeah. It's actually, if, and there, there's actually brown adipose tissue in humans, more so in leaner people than out actually in, in obese people on average huh, or overweight okay. people. So it can actually be a form of, um, of it's a form of energy, of course, but also as a way to warm you up. So shivering thermogenesis actually happens. Brown adipose tissue thermogenesis, people can throw that into Google Scholar and see that. So anyway, um, if you look at adipose, <laughs> a little, getting a little anatomy lesson here. Uh, people talk about tissue and they say muscle tissue. It's like, okay, well, the muscle is a type, but you've got cardiac, smooth, and skeletal. Those are the three forms of that tissue type. But a muscle is actually an organ that's composed of all those tissue types. There's nerves in there. There's skeletal muscle cells. There's connective tissue in the vessels. Uh, sorry, in the, um, this, in, the, in the connective tissue layers, the endomecium that is the outer fascia of the muscle. And then, of course, you've got um, connective tissue that runs. What, what, which one am I missing? Epithelial tissue, nervous tissue. Yeah, they're all there. So anyway, enough of that. So you've got so many calories in a pound of body fat. Uh, and so then the question, next part of the question, fourth one, is if someone goes below that value. So let's say you eat nothing. Yeah. And you've got a pound, 3,500 calories in a pound of body fat. So and your metabolic rate might be 2,000. Your caloric expenditure might be around the caloric equivalent of a pound of body fat. So that would be a day of fasting. And what that what happens is that you will lose, um, you will use fat, but because that's you're so catabolic, your body is going to be having to pull so hard from those calorie stores. You're going to turn on all sorts of mechanisms of catabolism, which was going to involve is going to involve cortisol, and that's going to that's going to mean breakdown of protein. Um, so you can provide uh, amino acids for gluconeogenesis to provide glucose because your brain likes glucose. Hmm, okay. You're also going to have ketones. You're going to be in ketosis pretty damn fast too. So if you go below that, um, then you're going to be very, very catabolic. 
for sure. Um, and you're going to lose muscle. So that's a huge caloric deficit of, of a pound of fats worth per day. Yeah. So I'm kind of teasing apart what his question is. And then do any compounds or exercises increase the rate of energy transfer per pound? You're not going to change the law of thermodynamics. Like you're not going to make, you know, a pound. You actually, you wouldn't want to increase the, the rate. The way he says this is so strange. It's just because he's not quite sure what's going on. Um, the rate of transfer per per pound is going to be a function of your caloric deficit. So how fast you pull from a pound of fat, if you could just have that one pound to pull from, depends on what your caloric deficit is. So if you had a caloric deficit of 3,500 calories, then you would pull 3,500 calories and you'd empty that pound's worth of fat in one day. Okay. Um, if that's what you did, if that's your daily caloric deficit. If, That'd be if great. If you had 500, yeah, it'd be awesome. Well, that's what people try to do with DNP. Yeah. Basically. Is you don't with DNP, you you still have the same caloric equivalent in a pound of body fat or the food that you eat or what have you. It's just that you you do a horrible job of coupling the energy the the derivation of energy from that food, from the fat molecules, the carbohydrate molecules, everything into ATP that the cells can use. You uncouple that process. The simplest way is like if you've got a dam that, that uses um, water flowing downstream to turn turbo- turbines that generate electricity, imagine if you just allowed that water to flow around the turbines. Yeah, That's what DMP working. does. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so, you're, so you, in order to get the energy you want, you have to burn more calories, and that creates heat, and that's why people get so hot on DMP. Okay. That's why it can be so dangerous because we run away process. Yeah. So, um, that's what uh, thermogenic compounds would do that increase your your energy ex- rate of energy expenditure. Move the more you move increases the rate of your energy expenditure. Um, compound exercises will do that. So that's the rate of energy expenditure. It's not the rate of transfer per pound of body fat. But, well, it is yes, but that's a very odd way of, of stating it if you kind of get what's going on there in terms of pulling from your body fat stores to provide the energy that you're, that you're not getting from your food. So I I'm hope that answers this I'm question. I'm still not sure if I get it completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, please let, let me know what you're, I, I guess okay. I just, okay. So, so I understand the part you're telling me that, um, fat can release energy up to a certain amount per day where where is the what's i I guess i just don't get it i don't i don't i don't know i don't get it i don't get it imagine (laughs) imagine you don't make mistakes i made the mistake it's not (laughs) you made a mistake i know this by not explaining in a way that i understood i know i know obviously obviously (laughs) so imagine you got a bucket here and you know and it's got a pound of fat in there yeah and imagine you just you just heated it up, you know. It's a you put it on the oven in a in a pot and you boil it up. So now it's fluid, right? Mm-hmm. So you you can you can the rate of of that you of energy that you pull from that would depend on how far how fast you pour it out. If you ate nothing and you expended thirty five hundred calories, so that's the energy in that in that fat in the right. in the in the bucket, um, and that was your caloric deficit for the day. 
you would basically pour that bucket would be empty at the end of the day. Right. Cause you would have used it all. Cause you would have used it all. So you would have, you would burned off one calorie fat. Now that would be a ridiculous caloric deficit. Yeah. Because we're it not would taking... never happen. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I guess we're well, just never. Ha- go ahead. You, <laughs> we're, we're, we, this is not real life though. Like, no, this it, is not bodybuilding. I'm being, I'm being nice. Adam's asking like sort of theoretical yeah. questions without an understanding of the basics of thermodynamics and how the body is put together. Okay. So a maximum caloric deficit based on body fat levels, um, you, your caloric deficit is like, if you could take someone in a day and say, your life depends on it. I want you to run as hard and as fast as you can. Right. And they expend 10,000 calories. Yeah. You know, that would be their, their, um, I mean, if I answer this question sort of directly, that would be their caloric expenditure for the day. If they yep. ate nothing, they would have a 10,000 calorie caloric deficit on that day because that's all they could do. Yeah. Now, could they do that more? Could they expend 12,000 calories if they start off at a lower body fat level? Huh. Probably. If they were obese and they tried to do that, it might be 8,000 calories. Yeah. So, yeah, body fat will determine how many calories you can expend and what your, what your theoretical caloric deficit would be. Yeah. Okay. Um, in a day, if you ate nothing and just expended as many calories as possible, but it doesn't change the fact that a pound of fat has about thirty five hundred calories in it. I see. Yeah. So that's just that's just what a pound of fat has. So you can't make that worth more or less. But what you can do is change, like for instance, DNP, and I'm not proffering DNP, but it fits into this into this um, idea is that DNP makes you really poor at driving energy from that body fat. So in order for your body to get what would normally you would normally get from a pound of fat, mm-hmm. um, it would it might have to burn if you it might have to burn a pound and a half of fat. I see because you've uncoupled the water doesn't flow through the turbines; it flows around the dam. Yeah. So your body has to in order to get the energy, the electricity it needs, it has to have more water flowing to make up for the spillover and the wasted. So it's a wasting of energy from food, from your body fat stores yeah. that DMP causes. So you have to burn more just to meet your energy needs for the day. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I... No one would ever have a maximum caloric deficit because yeah. now a better, a better question. The more relevant question is what is the, the highest caloric deficit you can have and still preserve muscle mass. And that's hey, what I like that question. About. Yeah, that because that that's that question applies. That's what we're trying to figure out on it. That in in a real world experience, that's what I'm looking yes. at every day. You know. Yes, and that's why, for instance, like one thing that that I've seen mentioned a couple times is natural competitors yes. don't have PEDs to help them hold on to muscle mass, so they will very often take a, have a very very long prep. Yes. It could be psychological reasons. They just like prepping. They like saying they're in prep. They like the structure. You know, there's probably a psychological difference between a natty and a PED using bodybuilder. On average, you probably see lots of overlap, but there's some things they, they do differently. Yeah. So you can't, you could, you could, you could diet down. Actually, on the short term, you can diet with a pretty um, uh, high caloric deficit and hold on to muscle mass. Hmm. But, um, if you could maybe have an 800 calorie day caloric deficit and lose fat really quickly, if you're loaded up on a super duper SMTRT type of protocol that lets you hold on to muscle mass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're natural 
And especially when you, if a natural guy diets down and testosterone goes into the tank mm-hmm. um, and cortisol goes up, you've got a recipe there for losing muscle mass if you try to push your caloric deficit. So you have to go very, very slowly to hold the muscle mass and, and lose the body fat. Yeah. And everyone is different in that regard. This is what, yeah. this is what, um, yeah, the, the, the cool studies they've done with twins demonstrate huh. that, you know, if, if you throw a group of people, a whole slew of people into a, into a group. And this was, I've talked about this study, I think a few times here. And they did one study where they overfed them by a thousand calories a day, six days out of seven of the week. The other study, they, they add, added 500 calories of exercise and reduced their calories by 500 based on what was a caloric need at the beginning of the study, put them through that for three months. There's a huge range in terms of how much body weight and body fat was lost. Yeah. And, but when they looked at the twins, the identical twins had almost the exact same results. Hmm. But you look at any pair of twins, you know, there's one twin that just couldn't lose weight to save their life. They hardly lost anything. And other, another pair lost a lot. Some that has to do with the genetics to some degree how their body holds on to body fat, sort of what set point it has for body fat, as well as what happens when to your meat, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, hmm. when you go into a deficit. Are you, do you be, just become a slug and you want to lie around? Or do you feel like, yeah, you know, I, I, this doesn't bother me. I'm going to just keep doing things and keep my mind busy so I'm not worried about being hungry. Yeah. And you may even expend more energy when you're in a deficit. For Some, some people actually probably do that. I do that intentionally when I die down. We've talked about so, that. You've talked about like working around the house, working on your camper, your truck, yeah. keeping busy. I, th- I think that makes yeah. sense too. I really do. Yeah. So yeah, you can only go so fast and how well you can do that is a function of the person, um, function of the weather, you know, what kind of PEDs they have, how much muscle mass they gain. I was going to ask you that. Like, yeah. How much muscle do they yeah. have? Yeah. So, and how long they've maybe even had it. I've always, uh, I've always suspected that the explanation, we talked about this here too, I think, for why it makes sense to, if you just gain some new muscle mass during a productive off season, to try to hold that for a few months. Yeah. So you can enlist those mechanisms of muscle memory hmm. that are involved. So the satellite cells that have sort of settled in and taken up residence, epigenetic changes that might be involved there. So anything that, you know, basically, so you hold that muscle mass. You've also spent three months training with the loads that are used to keep that muscle mass that came along with getting that muscle mass. Yeah. So you hold that. And then when you die down, um, there's always, if you look at sort of the progression of an increase in a muscle's fiber size, you see, you see in the studies, I'm just drawing from a bunch of different lines of research here. They're all related, but basically kind of connecting the dots that, you can see a muscle cell get larger simply due to protein synthesis before you see any more satellite cells. Hmm. So that's not nearly as much of a reconstruction of the muscle's ultrastructure as is increasing the number of satellite cells. Hmm. So yeah. let's say, you know, as you, as the muscle cell gets bigger, you're adding more protein, adding more protein, adding more protein. And then at a certain point you get another satellite cell, you get another satellite cell. And let's say you got that last 10% of muscle mass and then you diet right back down again before the satellite cells have had a chance to make their way in right. to set up residence, which is a mechanism of muscle memory holding on to that size. Hmm. So you don't give it time to sort of solidify, solidify your gains is the term that people use. And then that new protein synthesis 
that protein is more labile, more easily derived from. Then you go right into a heavy-duty caloric deficit. Well, if your caloric deficit is still too high, you'll be using fat, which you'll also draw from your protein stores. Sure. And, you know, there's not much. There's the more probably like less than 1,000 calories in a pound of muscle mass. Uh. And it depends on, you know, how much intramuscular triglycerides in there, et cetera, et cetera. But you can lose um, a pound of muscle mass when you pull a thousand calories from muscle to make up for that caloric deficit and you can lose muscle mass really, really rapidly. Easy. So a lot easier than fat. thousand calories. Oh yeah. 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 And if you push it too hard. Yeah. So that's the, yeah. So that's tell you what, so I noticed, um, having lost size and muscle, uh, having gotten sick, uh, I, I lost 40 pounds. Uh, a lot of that was, you know, fluid as well, but you know, yeah. post getting sick, I stepped on the scale. I was 40 pounds down. I've been gaining it back. Composition is not the same. I'm up 30 pounds from nine months ago when I was sick. Composition yeah. isn't the same, but I'll tell you what, man, my legs don't really get a lot of body fat on them. They, they stay pretty uh-huh. lean year round. They have not changed size. My legs are the exact freaking same size as they were before and i think it was literally just years of torturing them every saturday in the gym you know like yeah a decade straight of just plain torture yeah uh you know it's hard it there's is some interesting patterns possibly too with what you're doing with your legs like we know we've already talked about your calves yeah and that's how, just like, you yeah. have like you know that's a gen- kind of a genetic thing so you know you there's some genetics your activity levels can make a big difference. Sure. So you take someone who, who stops training and they may lose some size. There may be some muscle memory involved. And then you take someone who stops training and then cast one arm. Oh yeah. So there's a, there's a true, there's true disuse there. So you had some level of disuse with COVID, right? you know, just not doing things and no training, but um, it may be that relative to your normally daily, daily activity, the level of disuse in your legs was much less than it was in your upper body. The the, the level of disuse. Around. Uh, we're talking. Yeah. I I had I months at least of like a thousand steps a day. Like <laughs> we're talking. Yeah. You know, like bad. Right. You know, like we're. I'm yeah. talking like. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there was a lot of like disuse uh, going on. So you think that that preserved oh, yeah. it? Not- that would preserve it maybe yeah well that's the thing so you've got you've got like your calves for instance hold on hold on to size really really well yeah and you could basically come up with a, a dose response yeah um for an individual and for different muscle groups and you, you see this when you look they've done lots of studies for instance in um if you look at uh like rats rodents like you can do do something like it's called a hind limb suspension. So they will, they'll, they'll jimmy them up by their tail, so they can't walk on their hind legs. Okay. And then they look at the calf muscles, and they, they look for the relative loss in size and the, the soleus versus the gastrocnemius. Yeah. For instance, because those muscles have um, uh, different use patterns. So the soleus is more of a tonic muscle. It's used a lot during the day. It's kind of a postural muscle. They will be standing on it. The gastrocnemius isn't usually used so much. So you can look at how those muscles differentially atrophy. Huh. So for you, um, you know, if you think about what you do day to day, like you don't ever do push-ups probably normally. Right, right. You're heavy loading 
is all in the gym, whereas you do do some walking around. So yeah. even if the, um, and, it, and it's it it it's interesting. Like here's a here's a particular study I can kind of remember some of the details from. This is um they th- th- there's a study with mice where they casted a leg, and they had different cohorts of mice. So they wanted to test the effect of um, just taking the 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 leg out of that disuse situation um, and see how much minimal activity did it take to prevent some of the disuse atrophy um, and what will actually happen in terms of the muscle length too. And they found that, that if they if it had a mouse that was casted for 23 and a half hours out of 24 in a day, they could take it out of the cast. So they'd knock the mouse out and they'd take the cast off and just passively move it around. Huh. Um, they could prevent a lot of the remodeling, the disuse, atrophy, and the change in length just from 30 minutes. So the rest of the day, there was no movement. That leg was casted. It was solid. Yeah. So it just took a little itty-bitty bit of signaling through the movement and the stretching, um, which is going to cause some blood flow just by you know by the sheer yeah. fact of the pressure changing and moving it around. The, the, rat, the mouse wasn't even walking around in this case. Yeah. But it was just a little bit of a signal. and So it didn't take much. That's, you know, that's... Uh, you know, like that's a little definitely less than it's about five percent of the day, I believe, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, ten percent of the day. So not much. So you were able to, but you probably so you probably weren't doing anything like hardly no overhead lifting. Of course not. Like nothing no. that resembled yeah, another kind of. But you were walking around some too. Yeah. And I know you have stairs in your house. Yep. You may have had to go up the stairs. They probably weren't very very fun. Yeah. You know, I don't know if your bedroom's on a second floor, so you had to go up up and down. So. There may have been enough to prevent that. And plus, if you that was your genetic proclivity to hold on to leg size that you've yeah. noticed anyway, um, it may have been that that's the case. It may so, have been. It may have been for sure. I yeah. I would like to think it was all the years uh, of hard oh, training because they yeah. legs legs for me. Um, yeah, they 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 took a lot to to grow outside of calves. But it, let, let's let's move that's on though because I know you've got that's another, another factor, Yeah, you've got a great topic. Uh, that I would love to dig into. We're going to talk some about contest prep, and you've got a couple of uh, figures here which I've got prepared. Uh, and then you after that, cover, uh, yeah. keto question or I was going to say after that we could jump into the listener questions. You want to tackle that first? Okay. Either way, either way. All right, let's do the key, let's do the uh, the prep thing first, and then we can go to the okay. listener questions. So they'll give them cool chance to. Yeah, if if you guys up. don't hang, if you don't tune in for this whole live segment. This is, of course, on YouTube as well afterward and, uh, you know, our audio podcast app. Speaking of which, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, do us a favor. uh, Hit the like button if you're enjoying our content or just either way, just to help me out. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, we have a bunch of different bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. So uh, definitely I suggest subscribing and hitting the bell. I have to comment on something I just read. I need to get some. Yeah, Fant Ohm Waffles. Wait, what? Tells me that he has that. There's a post here. In, oh, yeah. in, the, uh, in the live feed. Yeah, he says he's literally wooed women in higher positions of life from what he's learned from these casts and a little bit of his own research. It's like I, I like you're using my material and I can't even use it. Like I don't get this shit. That What's is amazing, going on, man. Here I, I am, that. you know, the the fifty one year old virgin, basically <laughs> not a virgin, but you know, can't can't find a partner for the life of me. 
Oh, that's funny. We need to get like a, I, I don't know, some type of a video uh, to promote the channel. And we'll have different people come on and be like, yeah, I've been listening for five years. I get laid every weekend because I watch Think Big Bodybuilding Media. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, may, maybe this next one will be helpful. Like you can, you can say, you know, let's have you have you heard of head down tilt? Let me yeah. show you what happened. Let's, let's, just lie down for me if you would. And yeah, relax. This is, <laughs> Don't so, mind what I'm about to do. <laughs> all right, so I'm excited to hear about uh, this topic here, head down tilt, because I feel like it could be uh, a lot of our. I'm excited because a lot of our people may be able to use this as material to get laid. <laughs> That's that's what it's all really about, anyway. In the mind of the man, <laughs> yes. all this information is basically it's 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 a simile of a card trick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, basically it's just magic tricks. Like you're just trying to like you get the dopamine flowing around so you can make your make your move. And um, it's like it's uh, what's the, what's this? Um, it's too much info, Will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um. The pickup artist. What's the book? I'm trying to remember the name of the book that's about pickup artists. Anyway, uh, it'll hit me later, I'm sure. So this is a topic that um, is near and dear to my heart. This was uh, a, a technique. I called it the trick because it is kind of a cool little little trick that um, I was uh, just kind of giving to clients for for years because I just wanted to have the feeling since they were paying me for the information as opposed to all the the free information I give out. I wanted to save a little bit of something special for them. Oh shit. So here's the background on this. The idea was, you know, I've been working on, you know, for years developing and kind of perfecting and coming up with strategies for peak week. Yeah. Ways to load, you know, anything glucose disposal agents, you know, fat loading, ways to drop water, herbal diuretics, the whole kit and caboodle. And that's in my book. What's your book? Another from yeah. what I understand Having that having book. this having this on your coffee table will 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 increase your your perceived sexiness by at least two points on a ten point scale. Be your That's own bodybuildingcoach.com yeah. or go to Amazon for the yeah. hardcover like Scott has. You want it on the you want to be able to show the book, you know. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I come across this is one of the um, the perks of being an exercise physiologist is like exercise physiology do all sorts of things is uh paying attention we're just talking about disuse so one of the main um areas of research and understanding in in disuse is space flight is microgravity as it's otherwise known and the nasa you know lots of money flowing through nasa they wanted to um kind of come up with measures countermeasures for disuse atrophy or atrophy due to microgravity where there's no gravity. So that's where some of the research, for instance, showing that eccentric contractions were important um, to prevent muscle loss or, or, or to gain muscle mass and to prevent muscle loss. So flywheel training, for instance, is something that had been around for a long time. And Per Tesh, who worked with my mentor, Gary Dudley, for many years, um, has done a lot of work on that. He actually has a whole line of flywheel train, um, training devices that load as much on the eccentric as you put in on the concentric. So it's a momentum-based thing that doesn't require, require gravity. The other, one of the other big problems that was happening with um, astronauts when they come down from a prolonged space flight is they would land and they're going to their press conferences and they were passing out. They're hmm. going vasovagal. It wasn't because they were nervous, you know, or was someone was drawing their blood and you know, they were fainting from the sight of blood or something like that. 
it was because they were hypovolemic. Their blood volume was low. And what happens is you have, you have chemoreceptors and baroreceptors, um, peripheral and actually centrally in your brain, that help regulate blood volume. It's very important to have the right amount of blood volume in the, in the blood constituencies to prevent dehydration or having too much blood volume or what have you. And part of those are baroreceptors. So a barometer is a pressure receptor. A baroreceptor measures blood pressure. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, happens when you go to outer space, and I have a figure showing this. I if I put it in the, what I messaged you. I've got the one of the heart, and then I've got the one of the person laying down. Yeah. We'll get to that. I had another right. one that I was going to show you, but it's, but it's okay. Um, it had a whole bunch of other stuff I didn't want to confuse people with. So normally, um, and anyone who's like, for instance, uh, like had a job where they spent a lot of time on their feet yeah. and you end up, you know, if you're, especially if you're like your post contest, you've got a little more water than you want, you're retaining water, you'll end up with cankles because yeah. there's hydrostatic, uh, pressure. It's pulling, gravity's pulling the water down. Well, when you go into outer space, that's no longer the case. You don't have that. So what that does is facilitates blood flowing back more easily back up to your heart. So this is a very important system and it's a very redundant system um, for measuring and monitoring blood pressure and keeping the blood volume, which is important. If you also just doubled your blood volume, your blood pressure would go up. That's yeah. one of the problems with water retention and blood pressure is you have more volume in the, in the vasculature. So it presses more on the vessels. So you go to outer space, you don't have gravity pulling the blood down. It goes up more readily and it goes back and it feeds back to the heart and the venous return, the blood returning in the venous system to the heart is increased. And the first chamber in the heart that receives that blood is the right atrium. So that's the right side of the, receives the blood, pumps it to the lungs, hopefully gets oxygenated. And then the left side pumps it out to the body. So that right receiving chamber is a good place to measure and monitor signals as far as, you know, are we doing a good job of keeping the blood volume where it needs to be so the blood pressure is where it needs to be to distribute the volume, either too much or too little? Well, in the case of, of microgravity, your blood's not being pulled down by the gravity. It flows back more readily, and it fills that right ventricle. So the picture of the heart is something we can throw up now. All right. I got it around here somewhere. I lost it, Scott. Oh, how did I lose that heart picture? I don't. Uh, I don't know. I just texted it to you today. I know, and then I saved it, and then I lost it. There we are. Yeah, your computer made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of shows Venus return there. You probably can't read. Um, yeah, let me make it a little larger. So there's actually stretch receptors there in the right heart. The right heart is, is a, um, an organ of the endocrine system because it releases, releases atrial from the right atrium, natriuretic peptide or natriuretic factor. So that is a very interesting compound. It causes natriuresis. So natrium or sodium is, um, is lost and water follows salt. Anyone who's read my, my chapter in the book, uses that as a sort of um that's a it's a, a kind of a memory a mnemonic from anatomy and physiology so when you lose if you have a hormone that causes the loss of sodium and water follows salt so to speak sodium then you're going to lose water so yeah. too much stretch on the right atrium 
It increases ANP. Yeah, you can nix it now. There's some details right. there. People can people can uh, do a screen capture if they want. Go back. Um, and I'm not going to get into all the details, the mechanisms, and blah blah blah. But basically, too much blood volume, and then you have water loss, and that's because the the system is sensing the blood volume's too high because there's too much flowing back to the heart. We've got too much venous return. Well, the the reason for that is not because blood volume is too high. Per se, if you are gravity, the reason is that you now have no gravity, mm. and and you don't, and so you don't have to have more blood volume to help feed the blood volume, volume back to the heart and keep things flowing. Huh. So that's what happens. So there's the, the, there's a lot of peeing that will happen when they first go to outer space, the first you know 24 hours because this is sensed, and then when these astronauts come back, they've been they've adapted their cardiovascular systems adapted to the microgravity. Yeah. They come back. Now they have low in blood volume. They're dehydrated. No kidding. So, so now they're not able to get enough blood volume because there's, it's missing. They've lost it when they're in outer space up to the, the brain. If they stand up too quickly, um, they'll go vasovagal because literally the, there's not enough blood volume to keep the pressure in where it needs to be to get the blood to the brain. And they, they, go, they will pass out or get at least a woozy because of that. Yeah. So... That's kind of how, and I know this Victor Convertino was a NASA uh, exercise physiologist who talked about and, and did a lot of this research. Um, so what they wanted to do was come up with a model, um, and this is kind of thinking ahead to when you know humans have to like go into outer space to find new worlds because we've destroyed the Earth and those sorts of things, or we're doing you know multiple experiments, you know, in space stations, what have you. How can we, you know, alleviate the loss of muscle mass? How can we alleviate this cardiovascular issue? So one of the models of disuse they came up with, and they kind of teased this out over the years, was, well, first we got to, like, we have to have disuse atrophy. So they're not using the muscles because every, everything weighs nothing. There's no gravity. So there's no heavy loads to, to pick up. So we're going to put them in bed. That's going to do that. So the disuse would be lying in bed if we're going to have a, a model and, to do experiments with and try to figure out, like, you know, how much exercise do we need to do to keep muscle mass? So we have people, and there's one of the figures that you can find if you look look up head down tilt, you'll see some of the figures from experiments where they literally have people lie in bed and just exercise on an exercise bike while they're mm. in bed. Okay. And this, these are great experiments. Like they're like, you know, here's we'll give you five thousand bucks, but you have to live in this bed for the next month or next hmm. three months. Okay. You know, five thousand bucks a month. So people maybe with you know didn't have jobs that required them. I could do that. Take a just big vacation. Move the cameras yeah, and could. stuff into the bedroom. You, you could. You yeah. could, man. You could. You'd have to go into a lab and do it. So mm. that took the bed bed rest took care of the you know the the disuse from the lack of gravity. But what they also found was that if they went to about a six degree head down tilt, so the head being lower than the feet, yes, and the whole body this way, it's not just raising their legs, the whole body that would facilitate blood flow back to the heart. It would increase venous return, and six degrees ended up being kind of the magic number that matched what they what they had measured was happening in outer space. Huh. So they could basically cause the same cardiovascular effect of loss of blood volume by putting people on a head down tilt. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, like nifty little stuff. But I'm thinking that also means they're losing body water. Hmm. This is my bodybuilder mentality. Okay, so, yeah. And I, yeah. So this was back in the, like, the late 90s, and I'm like, well, I'm going to try a head down tilt. Because you don't need as um, much volume. 
of fluid to push the I got you. I'm 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 piecing well, it together for myself. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a cool little story. So I'm like, I'm not like so much worried about, you know, the volume in the blood. I just know that we've got A&P, atrial natriuretic factor, which is, a, which is an endogenous released diuretic hormone. It's a natriuretic hormone. I want to I want to facilitate the release of that hormone. I can do that just by lying in bed with with the with the feet higher than the than the head of the bed. Yeah. Six degrees is what's used. Typically, because this, this is really, they're not doing experiments with bodybuilders trying to get on stage with this, although lots of people are now. This is why this has come up, because this information is now out and people are employing it in the way that I have and my clients have for years. So actually, the higher you go, the greater the diuresis you get. And that hasn't been fully explored, but there's at least one, one paper, I think, that I found where they, they explored various degrees hmm. of head down tilt. So what you can do then um, in the course of peak week is when you want to drop water overnight is jack up the foot of the bed and sleep that way. So a couple, couple caveats to that. One, um, if you have regurge or GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, yeah, that's not a good thing. So if you've got a lot of food you're trying to put down for you know whatever reason, the way you've strategized – it's not going to help. You could actually cause some issues there. Um, if you have blood pressure issues, you know, or anything like this isn't like a medical recommendation because you will find because you can tell that your blood pressure goes up like the blood. Now the huh. water, instead of having pooling in your legs, the water will pool in your head, yeah. you know, and it's can be uncomfortable. So there's some kind of there's a, some unknown risk. I've never seen any of the papers with a six degree head down tilt which is pretty mild. What, what made you decide um, six degrees when you said that they could get a stronger effect by going further? Yeah. Bodybuilders would be like, why don't I sleep in an inversion table? You know, this, the six degrees is what they found matched what happened in outer space. Okay. So the whole idea of the bed, the head down tilt bed rest was to mimic the effect of microgravity on the cardiovascular system. Can I bring that figure um, up? You, you had, you had a little picture. Yeah. Of oh, the six degree. Yeah. Yeah, pull yeah. that up now. Look at that. So that's just kind of the idea. Yep. I like that. Huh. The six degree. So it's not much. You can see it's not gigantic. It's not a huge angle. Yeah. But there's one paper that shows you know you'll get more um, a larger effect, which makes sense the higher the tilt. Yeah. So I you know I've I've gone pretty high and I kind of played around with it, but you can drop a pound or two easily that way. Most people can. So. That's a little little strategy, and the reason I wanted to kind of chat about that is because, um, so my book's been out for a while, and yeah. I sort of spilled the beans, like explained the trick there, and then we have this paper that Guillermo Escalante. This is in my profile URL on Instagram. He's the first author. I think I'm the second. Chris Barricat, Alan Aragon, Brad Schoenfeld. I think is the last author. Okay, we're the authors on that paper. It's a monster on Peak Week. It basically explains. Um, the rationale, it's very, it's put together, um, you know, very similar to what I have in my, in my Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach book. And I added that, um, that was in my book and I added some more details to it there. So people are using it. It's very, very cool. And it's very effective for many, many people. I'm hearing this repeatedly on and over and over again. Um, and I think, I mean, <laughs> I've done it so many ways. Like when I was living in Arizona and I go up to Phoenix to compete where the state shows were. I would bring cinder blocks with me. Literally, I'd bring. There were times when I literally brought a, um, a dolly and cinder blocks 
<laughs> and I would just like, you know, go in the side of the hotel with my bags and my cinder blocks and I, you know, sneak them up to the room and I put cinder blocks into there just so I didn't have to mess with it. Yeah. Didn't have to try, find something back in the way back in the day. I used to use phone books. Yeah, I could see I would phone say, books hey, too. I, you, yeah. yeah. So I don't have any phone books. I use the, um, the ironing board sometimes <laughs> or I use chairs like, you know, the chairs that are there because it usually just be me. Yeah. I never really had anyone, you know, with me at shows. So. Uh, that's, that's how I, you know, figure out how to, sometimes I don't have a choice. It wasn't like, it's like, I'm going to do, you know, eight degrees instead of six degrees, but you know, yeah, you can sh- slide it, you know, further underneath and change the angle that way. But you're just kind of some, to some degree you're at the whim. You can actually bet, get bed risers at Walmart. And I have those now they're plastic and they're not that big. Okay. And I actually have been using those the last few years. Nice. Um, the people, the people that just use you normally to raise up all four legs of the bed. So. I've just been getting asked questions about that because I'm sure you're sharing stories where people are doing that during their peak week. The last one was Chris Barakat. Shout out to Chris. Won his pro card yesterday in the WNBA. Oh, you're kidding me. Congratulations he, to him. That's yeah, awesome. It, yeah, and man, no surprise either, too. You know, he's he's been yeah. getting in great shape this season. Yeah, he was, he looked really good. I, I have only seen a little bit of the shots on stage, but he had a post that is on Instagram. So he's, cool. doing a, he's doing his pro debut today. Oh, no kidding. That's how they do the shows. Yeah, That's you can cool. go right into the, the pro show on the next day. But he used it, um, I believe. Yeah, he did because he posted. Story came out. And then, then people were like, what is this? I have no idea what this is. It's related to Peak Week. Yeah. So I just figured it made sense to explain it. You know, especially because, you know, we don't know what's going on. But one of the over the years, you know, diuretics have been one of the most dangerous things in bodybuilding. And this has not been a good year as far as longevity goes in bodybuilding. So yeah. I think it makes sense to get this information out, you know, cause it's, um, nothing's a hundred percent safe. You know, aspirin could, could kill you. Water can kill you, sure. et cetera. But, um, this is one thing that, uh, you know, people can read the paper and look at the, you know, the, um, possible risks that are there, but it's one thing that, um, is, uh, is the nice little trick to literally evoke, and endogenous, it's, it's playing with the human physiology to invoke diuresis for the dry, purposes of drying out. And that all of the whole peak week, the way I do it, the exception of um, caffeine, which is, you know, pretty safe as well, though it's not perfectly safe either. Caffeine will be used as a diuretic, just 50% above as a general rule of thumb, 50% above the habitual use. So you can get an effect on diuresis. And the rest of it's herbal diuretics and manipulation of water and sodium and diet, macronutrients and timing of things. Hmm. And and this is this is a nice little little nugget stolen from. Yeah, yeah. People don't and people have used um, the strategies that I've you know been around for a long time. There's a post from like 2003 on professional muscle. Yeah, it's called Water Loss Without Drugs, and it's people still tell me they've read that. Yeah, they dig it up, they read it, and I say, "Hey, I, the whole thing's in my book. If you want to get it all there, the whole thing's in the paper now. So it's all there for free in the paper." Yeah, um, in the book, it, it ties in with read. a lot of other stuff with that relates to the peak. That you know, you're yeah. gonna get if you go to the book, and I, yeah, obviously it is a great book, so I'm kind of promoting it here. But you can use that as a full real really a template you know and we've known people that listen to the show that have and they've had great success with it too you know yeah 
it's really sometimes people get confused. It's really pretty simple. You just you limit your carbs, train your whole body, prime for a carb load, fill and spill. Skip Skip Hill's terminology there. Just fill up like a motherfucker. The and then the next day before the show, you take care of your water um, by dropping water. Drop your carbs. Be there's some timing issues there with sodium and water, and then you use the trick. Head down, tilt overnight. Yeah, wake up crispy. It's really it's kind of that simple. I love it, and that, um, that's the kind of thing too. If you wanted to, you could run a test run of that without screwing yourself up. You know what I mean? It's like it's harder to test run diuretics. You really can't test run diuretics and get the same effect. They, yeah, from what I've seen. I mean, you could every once in a while. You know, you'll you'll win the lottery and maybe you know you can use the same sort of thing, but. You can do this week in and week out. I would do it for three or four weeks in a row. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And you should do a test run. That's the most important thing, actually. Yeah. That's how you nail it. Then you don't have, you know, we talked about this. Then you've got it all down. You know what you're doing. You know it's going to work. When you fill and spill on like a Thursday, you're like, man, I'm holding a lot of water. It's like, it's okay. I know this. That means I'm full. Yeah. It means like, because I just loaded in 1,500 grams of carbs. Yeah. I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to drop my water tomorrow. I'm going to wake up full and crispy dry. Hell yeah. So, but yeah, the, the main thing is it's just, I, I want people, I, it's a, going to be a paradigm shift. It's a lot easier to just like pop a pill. Um, and it's, and the, 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 the catch 22 is during the last month before a show. The last thing you're able to do for many people, and this is where, you know, if any time a coach would be needed, it's then is you're just not thinking clearly. It's just mm. kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, heck, I was even reading—I was even reading into a, a little bit of information on leptin mm-hmm. released from fat cells. Okay. Um, so the more body fat you have, the more leptin you have, generally speaking, and leptin is going to be um, in very, very short supply when you're dieting down. Leptin. There are leptin receptors on the hippocampus, which is your sort of your memory center in the brain. Okay. And so le- leptin is important for driving the memory mechanisms of your brain and being able to remember to do things no shit. and huh. learning processes. Yeah. So, I mean, leptin, just generally, the more leptin, it'll, it'll huh. limit your appetite. It'll upregulate your, your metabolism. So you get too much body fat. This is one of those things that feeds back to your brain to get you to eat less and expend more calories in terms of metabolic rate. But it also make, make sense. It's also very interesting that, you're not going to learn well. You're not going to remember as well. You're not going to be able to handle complex yeah. cognitive tasks, which all makes and sense. Stay on point. Four weeks and out, leptin. You know, well, yeah, well, that's obvious. We know that's the case. But yeah. but there's that's a literally a connection that I found that I thought huh. was really pretty interesting. That there's is fascinating. The hippocampus and and they drive um, a neural connection, the formation of neural connections in the hippocampus, which is which is part of how we go about learning and and remembering things. Huh. So. So, but you can practice this, you know, like guide your way through it, you know, during three or four weeks out when you're in good enough shape to see what's happening. And then you, then you've got, you know, your blueprint. You just follow the, follow the directions yeah. with the changes that you might feel you need to do. And there's no, like, none of this, like, oh shit, you know, I think I'm flat. I need to go eat a burger and fries. Like, oh shit, I spilled. Fuck. I need to take a diuretic. Shit. I'm flat again. Have some yeah. more sodium. I couldn't fill out. Oh fuck! I dropped the ball and I look like shit. But the, but three days later, I look great. Like that whole like trying to juggle things, if you're doing it on yourself, is 
is a kind of a recipe for a, a disastrous onstage appearance for many people. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. I, I so. try to nail down as many of those things ahead of time. And I, you know, it, it, you still, and I think this is probably good for some of the people to hear that are, that are listening right now, because I'll, I'll get messages from people who, who even, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm 10 days out from a show or I'm two weeks out from a show. And I would love to hire you just to do my peak. And I, I, right. I don't feel necessarily super comfortable with that because the people that like, I know you do a good job peaking people, you know, that's, that's what right. you'll hear. And my thought is like, well, the yeah. people I'm doing a good job with, we've been test running this every time they fill up, you know, we load, right. we use this as an, you know, an experiment basically. And by the time we get to the show, mm -hmm. we're just doing what we've been doing, you know, every week along the way right. pretty much. Right. But this is the thing, like literally if someone, let's say you're a month out and you're like, you know what? Okay, I get this. I want to give this a shot. And you can do it without me, you know, or, yeah. you know, I'd be happy. That's the one thing that I do, I help people with. But you, you, you could run it, you know, four weeks out and three, you can run it. You could run it four times in a row and people will get leaner too, almost universally. Sounds like a, sounds like a little clickbaitish ad, but it really does happen that way. Get leaner. Um, and get you actually drier. recover. Yeah, it works works really well but you can run it again and again and again so you could have three two practice runs at a month out and then the actual peak week for the show and then be very confident in what you're doing i like that so let yeah. me see what else we got here just, i know we had a yeah we had a couple questions a here question on Edo. yes yeah let me bring that one up from alexander um he says uh 29 he is uh 220 pounds, 35 years old. He was 285 pounds. He's on a, as he calls it, dirty keto and uh, intermittent fasting, uh, lifting heavy three times a week plus an hour of cardio. He says, I'm not seeing weight loss, nor am I seeing muscle loss. I'm staying stagnant. I asked him a couple questions here in the live feed while you were restarting your computer. Um, he says, uh, uh, I'm having a hard time with clean keto because of my work schedule. Pre prep time is non-existent. I asked him, what does he mean by dirty keto? And he says that he's getting uh, above 20 grams of carbs per day. Uh, and then he also adds, my brother lost 80 pounds on keto recently. And he says, I sleep better less bloated, more energy on keto, I find. So, cause I had asked him, I said, you know, why, why jump to keto? A lot of times right. I don't, I don't jump straight to keto with people. I, you know, if you take a guy who's 285 and you just clean his diet up, usually you can, you know, get some progress there first. And you know, keto for me at least would be a choice I would make down the road when I recognize that maybe carb, you know, keeping carbs in isn't necessarily gonna be the most effective route. Uh, but I don't necessarily jump to it. But he said that's what he, he the reason he's doing it. He said he sleeps better, less bloated, more energy. Yeah. So the thing that I don't see is what is what his total calories are per day. I wondered so that too. Yeah. That's that's what kind of what he comes down to. It's um you know he could be he could be doing intermittent fasting and you know keto and applying you know whatever other you know only grass fed whey protein and you know, who knows what else, but if he's eating, um, too more much calories, fat. Yeah. Too much well, protein, just cal too much cal fat. calories. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with, with keto is there, 
it all com- calories is the you know the name of the game. You know, it's thermodynamics. If you feel better, which he does on a low carbohydrate diet, mm-hmm. and he sleeps better, and he's more active, and he can expend more energy, then he's going to be someone who's going to probably do better on a lower carb or a keto yeah. approach. So it's a nice see what he's got there. Keto is nice. It's like we only have two macronutrients to worry about, pretty much. Yeah, avoid the carbs. You just eat fat and protein. Make sure you get enough protein. Rest your calories from fat, so it's easy. He's also got the intermittent fasting. It's you know nine hours where he eats, and then like then his the window's done, and he doesn't have to worry about. It. There's no like, oh man, I missed my breakfast meal or what have you. So it's it's simple. It ki- helps keep you on track, and that's th- that's super important. Um, it, those two things in combination. I don't know. If this is the case. The calories would be the maybe he's still listening. He can let us know what his daily caloric intake is. But those two things could be a recipe for a reduced thyroid. Um, keto will tend to do that. Low carbs will tend to do that. Um, you don't have the greatest situation for for your thyroid when you're doing intermittent fasting either. Um, yeah. So in combination. Uh, and he did. His brother lost 80 pounds, so that you know that suggests there's, you know, he may have a, a be genetically prone to being successful with a keto approach. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of research, you know. I just tried to tease apart why people would have um, better effects, better success with a keto versus a high carb approach, and if with those people who are insulin insensitive. Mm-hmm. So using a, a multiply your resting blood glucose with your resting insulin levels, going on a diet that's low in carbohydrate that would tend to promote greater insulin sensitivity tends to be more 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 effective in some of the research um, with those people. So if you're someone who's you know doesn't have a problem with insulin sensitivity, then you know it doesn't really matter. But yeah. there seems to be little bit of data suggesting so um dirty keto made me also think um maybe that he's eating like a bunch of a lot of saturated fat like just Mm. you know like burgers and yummy stuff and you know this is sort of nitpicking it's still if the calories are still high it doesn't really matter but yeah, um, yeah there are advantages uh thermodynamically you see the you see this going the opposite direction you know mainly that if you eat um, there's one study with a high omega-6, so that's an essential fatty acid, more of an inflammatory one, but they use an omega-6 um, linoleic acid-based diet compared to a high saturated fat diet, and you get, uh, you get more fat stored in the visceral fat component hmm. with the high saturated fat, so that would be kind of a dirty, like low omega um, essential fatty acid diet strategy yeah and visceral fat's not good for insulin sensitivity which isn't generally good for weight loss yeah i'm not trying to play the insulin car like it's all about insulin but that's something you know that um might be worth you know exploring i don't know what he means by you know here's the thing like you take a diet like worst case scenario where he's eating like you know just like dirty burgers who knows that maybe or even have you know chemicals in there you know who knows worst case deal that are in pro-inflammatory lots of cheese and saturated fat and his calories are uh, 2000 and then you just switch him to uh 
less saturated fat, more monounsaturated fat, more polyunsaturated fats, drop his calories by, you know, 300, 400 a day. So he actually has a caloric deficit. Just mm -hmm. change the foods, ensure a caloric deficit. And um, that can make all the difference in the world. I think you're, actually. yeah, that's kind of what I would, yeah. I would think as well. It, it, it'd be hard to give specifics on that without actually, like if, if you saw what his actual diet was, we could probably be like, Oh yeah, that right there, change that, you know, change that meal to something else. Or like you said, the calorie thing, I think that that may be it. It's easy to eat a lot of fat. That's, you know, it really is. Yeah. The, the advantage for keto, why I use a low carb approach just by, is just, I don't eat very much. My you use keto? Impaired. I don't, I don't like shoot for ketosis. I mean, there's some metabolic inefficiencies that come from converting fat calories or fat molecules into ketones. Yeah. It, but it's like less than a hundred a day. It's not like it's going to all of a sudden, like it's like you're using DNP or anything like that. So there's, there's something there, but when I drop my carbs down and let's just eat like with a keto style bodybuilder style keto, yeah. not doing a clinical ketogenic diet, my appetite's low. And I just, you know, it's just, it just helps with my appetite tremendously. I've noticed Protein that too. Protein is very satiating. Yeah. That's why I do it. And it's, it's just sort of simple, you know, you don't gotta, like for me, it's like, I know, I know that if I go low carb, that I'm going to err on the side of a, of a caloric deficit mm. almost unless I'm, unless I'm like, you know, at like 6% or something like that. Like I'm getting close to being stage ready then, you know, then I'll have to, you know, be very, very, be very careful. But otherwise I just don't, I mean, I, I just don't tend to overeat. I mentioned on a, I did the podcast with the, with the folks from Africa. Oh yeah. Cool. Podcast, cool. They're that. fun people, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. They were, yeah, was it them I told this? No, sorry. This is our, it was, I've done like five podcasts in the last like nine days. So I, they get all mixed up. And I had a I had a group call. Okay. It wasn't them, but they are cool people. It wasn't them I told this to. So nix that. But I mentioned when I, I long ago when I was in grad school, I played around with like how much protein can I eat a day? Just yeah. see what happens. Just give it a shot. And I just ate chicken breast, like lean protein. And I was, you know, trying to eat like, you know, three or four or five pounds of chicken breast a day. And I couldn't eat. If I just ate protein, I literally couldn't eat in a caloric deficit. Most okay. I could get down was like maybe 3,000 calories. Huh. And that's when I was I was training on those days and running around on my feet all day long as a grad student, like teaching and running, you know, um, subjects through experiments. And and I may have even been personal. I wasn't personal training at the time. But um, I just protein is so satiating. Yeah. So – that's the, the advantage for many people on the low, low carb diet is, you know, those, um, it's just easy to, to do the accounting. Yeah. He said he's still that with dairy, us, Alex Ellender. Yeah. He says, uh, thank you for that. I'll have to cut out dairy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at 400 calories to cut. Uh, I'm only eating when I'm hungry, but then work sucks me in and I forget to keep track. Yeah, I think that no matter what diet you do, because that was one of the first things he said was he's doing uh, dirty keto because um, it, it, he, he you know, stressed with work. Um, the, keto because of my work schedule, prep time is non-existent. I think, you know what a, a big thing is? It's like, it's, in, it's, it's completely necessary if you're going to get into shape is like figure out how to make that time you know even like mm. you could figure out how to prep things quickly you know like I, you could figure mm. out how can i cook in bulk 
you you've got a day off or or you know what a crock pot i've taken a ton of chicken breasts thrown them in a crock pot and hit the six hour button and then gone to bed and it's the weirdest sensation when you wake up in the morning and your house smells like chicken dinner i love it you know or like it smells like thanksgiving and it's like this 5 a.m and you're like what's going on but then you have a bunch of food you know yeah dude i used to do a thing um I did this for years back in Arizona. It was just like that. I would take a uh, a frozen turkey, like a whole turkey. Okay. And I was my I was eating a whole turkey a day, actually. <laughs> How many pounds? Like, like what size turkey are we talking here? Like a ten pound turkey, you know, something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. And I would just put it in put it in the oven, and I'd set the timer. Yeah. You know, so that it would be ready in the morning. So literally, I knew I was getting up at you know eight or nine or whatever. It would, it would, you know, beep, 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 and, you know, the turkey be ready. And my whole house would smell like Thanksgiving. Wow. And I would just, you know, pull it out and be done. But it was just throw. I didn't have to think about it. So it was, it was even kind of better than, but it was fro. I threw it in there frozen. I had to figure out, you know, how much, how to cook it and, yeah. you know, what temperature so it didn't get like burnt, like burnt on the outside and like, you know, un- not done on the inside. But um, you, you mentioned taking out dairy. I don't need to know that you need to take out dairy. Yeah. Um, unless. I mean, unless you're drinking milk, which is going to have carbs in it, but you know, yeah. I, I'll tell you what, man, I don't think personally, depending on what dairy we're talking about, I don't include a lot of dairy in a fat loss diet personally. I don't, I don't know what, what he means by like what dairy he's eating. I mean, cheese could um, be casein is high. You know, there's a lot of casein and cheese. Casein is a, is a dairy product. So is whey. Um, that could be very helpful for keeping them on track. Um, yeah, but I mean, how many strategy? That, how much protein right? are you getting out of that, though? I mean, I guess you're getting fat. You're not. Yeah, I don't. You're know not what getting a lot of protein out of. You're not getting a lot of protein out of cheese, though. I I don't ever try to look at cheese as being like, well, we better add in some cheese to make sure we get enough protein here. <laughs> I would, that's why I asked. That's why I asked. You can actually. I, I I actually eat a lot of cheese. Yeah. Um, I love cheese. Depends on the day. Yeah. String cheese, yeah, perfect. You know, you just throw that in a cooler and you just you know peel it away. Okay, they have, they have actually low cheese and whole fat okay. yogurt. Yeah, I don't know that that's you know the worst. Look at the carbs in the yogurt, but yeah, um, yogurt's not a terrible thing. Uh, that varies a lot. But there's low fat cheese that's yeah. out there. That's, that's oh, that's um, an ab- that's, that's an abomination carbs. though. It's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, like because it's. It's just something that shouldn't exist. Exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. It does kind of defy that. It should be in another, <laughs> another meta universe, you know? Yeah. In exactly. the, the multiverse, it shouldn't be in, it shouldn't be around, you know? Let's wrap this thing up. What it's are like you having saying? an evil Superman. Yeah. Okay. Did we get all the questions, I think. We did. Yes. I did. Uh, sifted back through. Thanks for everybody who posted. Right. We got a, we got a bunch of, a uh, bunch of comments and everything. We appreciate everybody who's been hanging with us. We had, uh, it's like Matt with, was, was with us. Vincent Ford, he's been with us for a long time. Of course, William was with us. What's up, Nathan? Edward? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to say his name. Is it Fant? Fant, Fant Om Waffles? I, Fant? I, I'm guessing that, that maybe Om, Om Waffles, that may be his last name. Oh, what's up, but, Lucas? Uh, I don't Elijah. know. That, uh, that may be a facetious one, too. That's possible. 
Anyway, we, we appreciate you guys hanging with us. Uh, Scott, I always appreciate hanging out with you, getting to, to talk about some bodybuilding stuff. Uh, guys, go to uh, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach, byobbcoach.com, or you can uh, go to the Amazon, go to Amazon, check out the hardcover there. Of course, check out our sponsors, truenutrition.com. Uh, you can go in there, get some awesome supplements, use our code THINK, uh, supplementsource.ca. Uh, shop with them if you're in Canada. And if you need some good research stuff, go to uh, amino-asylum.com, use our code THINK. You'll get 20% off of all your research needs for your science experiments. Don't forget your daily ephedrine. Your SMRDA for ephedrine. Yeah. Three pills a day. You got to take three <laughs> at least.